Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Please stand if you're able. Exercise. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's my delight to introduce our speaker this morning, Shayla Visser. Uh, in her professional role, she is the National Director of Alpha Canada, and she also serves as the Senior Vice President of Alpha International. I think many of us know the work in the Ministry of Alpha, their most basic course, their pre-marriage, their marriage, very, very helpful materials for the local church. Uh, just a delight to even just converse with you this morning. And uh, Shayla has a heart for people coming to know God, loves to mentor young leaders, and really desires to see the local church flourish. Uh, she is a local uh, living here in Vancouver and married to Ryan, who is a Vancouver police officer. Must be an interesting life. <laughs> Shayla, come on up. Let me pray for you as you deliver the word this morning. Father, we thank you for this summer series in which we can reflect on how we might bring peace and shalom to every area of this city. And we thank you for the work in the ministry of Alpha. And we're delighted this morning that Shayla is here with us to bring us the word of God. Thank you for the way that you have shaped her and the people who have influenced her. And for the message that you have put in her heart, would you anoint it and bless it? Help us to hear it with receptive eyes and ears and hearts that we may go forth and seek the peace of this city. We ask for your spirit to move freely. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, good, every, good morning, everyone. It is so good to be uh, speaking at a church in my hometown. Uh, you'll usually find me uh, just across town at Main and 43rd at Christ City, where I love to worship on Sunday mornings. In April 2020, you probably all remember that month and that year where we were firmly into the pandemic, and the founder, the pioneer behind Alpha, Nikki Gumbel, the Reverend Nikki Gumbel, said to us all as staff, we live in the greatest evangelistic opportunity of our lifetimes. And then he told all these stories about what was happening in the UK, how fabulous it was, and I remember looking at our nation and thinking, I'm not sure it's that fabulous here. I couldn't see that the harvest was plentiful in our own backyard in the way that Nikki was talking about in the UK, and I felt a little bit disappointed. I felt like, Lord, if you're doing it there, you know, we often think of foreign countries where we hear of missionaries that are leading people to Jesus, helping them understand what it means to have a relationship with God, and we think, Lord, wouldn't you do that here in our country where we can see it and feel it and know it? But that has changed. 
And I'm here this morning to ask you if you have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Lord is doing in our nation. Now, I know when I use the word evangelism, there are many different responses. Uh, There are many people here thinking I have no idea what that word even means, so please tell me. And so I'll tell you, it means to herald good news, to share good news, to say there's something good happening. You know, just this morning, I talked to uh, my friend Larry, and he told me about the good news of going on an Alaskan cruise. We easily and quickly share good news with each other, don't we? And so evangelism is just saying, hey, we're telling you some good things are going on, and we want you to know about it. Now, for some of you, you also hear that word, and there's a lot of baggage. And you think, oh, gosh, am I going to feel guilty this morning? Is there going to be a lot of shoulds spoken at me? Am I going to walk away feeling like, man, that was hard to hear and I'm not doing very well? But for a few of you, it's exciting. It's actually exciting because you're thinking, wow, what's happening in our nation? What's happening in our city? What can I join? And then there's just a few of you that when you hear the word evangelism, it feels like a swear word because you've had it whipped at you. You've you've had methodologies that you haven't agreed with. So I recognize when we're talking to a crowd like this, we've got all sorts of responses to a particular word. And so today we're going to unpack evangelism. Today we're going to talk about what it means in our city and our nation and why I think we're alive at one of the best times in history and why I think we should be grateful that although it's difficult, Although the world feels to be spiraling out of control, there is one who sits on the throne who holds it all. And we need not fear. But we need to see the shifting sands and what the Holy Spirit's doing in our nation. And rather than getting fearful, we should get really excited to be part of it. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I have been leading Alpha Canada for the last 12 years. I've been involved in vocational ministry that's helping introduce people to Jesus for 28 years now. Yes, I started when I was 14. And I really have uh, had ups and downs with sharing my faith. There have been times that it's felt easy and natural in conversation, and there's been times where I've hidden away from it because it's been difficult. In fact, about five years ago, as I have been leading the ministry, I realized that I had started to become a functional atheist. Now, you may say that's an awfully strange thing to say about someone who's, first of all, preaching here this morning, but also runs a national ministry. But what I had realized was that I had started to believe that the harvest of people that are interested in Jesus, who are coming to faith in Jesus, is plentiful overseas, but it's not plentiful in Vancouver. I realized that I'd started to have the doubting Thomas kind of experience with people in Vancouver about whether or not they were interested in Jesus. I think there's more people that I passed walking to yoga classes this morning on my drive from Marple here than there may be in church this morning. Slowly and insidiously, the enemy can whisper lies to us about the interest of the people around us to the gospel of Jesus. He can tell us they're not interested. He could tell us you're not culturally relevant. He could tell us you're actually really off the uh, beaten path of where the Lord is actually working. And so I had found myself in that position and had to start praying differently. My first prayer was confession. Lord, I don't believe the harvest is plentiful in Vancouver. I believe yoga is plentiful in Vancouver. 
I believe Buddhism is growing in Vancouver, but I don't see your harvest as plentiful. And so while you've asked me to pray for the workers, as we've read in Matthew 9, you've actually told me that there is a harvest that is plentiful. So I confessed and I asked the Lord to change my heart. And I started to ask different questions of the Lord. And as I started to ask different questions of him, he opened my eyes to see what was happening around me all the time. And my prayer was this. Every morning, I would wake up and I would say, come Holy Spirit, let me join you in what you're doing around me today. And every day as I prayed that, my heart posture was availability. Availability to wherever I might find myself, in a conversation with a friend, a work colleague, and all of a sudden, I started to meet people that would have never, ever come across my path as someone interested in faith discussions. The first one was Victor. He was coming to paint in my house. And he was painting uh, some of the door frames in our house. And, you know, he was in there for two days. It wasn't long. He's an immigrant from Latin America. We just kind of chatted. And on the second day, I said, Victor, I didn't see that you brought a lunch. Can I order pizza for you? Uh, he loved that. He hadn't brought a lunch. He was going to go out. So I just ordered pizza. And we ate it together. And we started a conversation. And he actually ended up asking me about faith. Now, I hadn't initiated that conversation. He just initiated the fact that he was really struggling. And I said, where do you turn when you're struggling? And he said, I have nowhere to turn. I don't have my family here. I don't know very many people. And so I knew that was a little open door for me to talk to him about faith. And not only did I have that short conversation about, you know, faith and hope when we have a relationship with God, I then even took one step further and I said, Victor, may I pray for you before you leave today? And he said, yes. And in fact, he was standing across, you know, the, uh, the, the room from me. And when I said that, he actually walked towards me. And I said, Victor, may I put my hand on your shoulder and pray for you? And he said, yes. And as I laid my hands and prayed for him, I just invited the Holy Spirit to come and to minister to him and to meet him in his greatest needs. And he wept. He wept. And then he said, what was that? And I said, that was the Lord Jesus coming to meet with you and to bring you his peace and comfort and hope. And so as I have started to pray every day, come Holy Spirit, let me join you in what you're doing all around me, He's given me fresh eyes and fresh ears to what's happening. And let me tell you, the, the harvest in Vancouver is plentiful. And as you are considering what it will mean to move into a new church, what's been redone, and you've got space again, and you've got your home turf again, the question I want to ask you is not what will you do, but who will you reach? Not what will you do, but who will you reach? The harvest is plentiful. And I have good news for you and for me that the Lord is at work all around us. And our job is to join him in it and open up the space around us and others to participate in evangelism. But we do need to change our approach, and here's why. I think most of us have forgotten what the Bible says about being active in evangelism. And let me reframe it for you by quoting my favorite, Daryl Johnson. Many of you may say your favorite as well. 
Daryl gave me the best quote on evangelism I've heard, and I trumpet it everywhere I go. He says, evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. And there's a Bible passage, of course, that backs it up. Jesus says in John 15, 26 to 27, but when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will also testify because you have been with me from the beginning. So evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit's already having with another person. So when you walk out of here today and you see someone across the street, you can know the Holy Spirit's already ministering to them. The Holy Spirit's already speaking to them. The Holy Spirit's already gone ahead. If you have a family member who you think in your mind, most antagonistic person, it would be a sheer miracle if they'd ever come to know Jesus. I can tell you right now, as you're sitting in church, the Holy Spirit's working on them. You can take that to the bank because that's the job of the Holy Spirit. The Lord wills that none should perish. And he sent the Holy Spirit into the world to tell people about Jesus, to testify about Jesus. So that is good news for us. It's a mystery that for every person you love, Jesus is speaking to them. And in John 16, 7 and 8, Jesus says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I do, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove or convince the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. So does Jesus call us to bear witness to him? The answer is categorically yes, of course. We should want to and delight to want to see our friends come to know Jesus. But this is the most amazing part. The Spirit also bears witness to Jesus with or without us. And he does it through our witness. He does it before our witness. And he is the supreme follow-upper from our witness. I think the mystery is that he does not need us, but he invites us into it. And he says it's good for us to participate in this. So when you think about the one person that you know, you go to school with them, you work beside them, they're your mother, they're your daughter, they're your grandchild, and they don't know Jesus, you don't need to worry because God is talking to them and he's inviting you to participate in it. But we have to reorient ourselves to this all the time because I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who will say, I really botched that conversation with my friend. I wish I had thought of this line or this Bible verse or this illustration before I left the conversation. We all do that, right? We have a conversation with a friend or family member. We think, if only I'd said that. If only I'd done that. But the good news is God is following up and he's initiating. And it's liberating for us because we're invited into it. And what it gives us is freedom to enter these conversations. During the pandemic, I kept asking God, what is our job? And he said, our job is to love everyone around us and let them see that there is hope in the midst of despair, that there's beauty that can come from ashes, that there's peace that goes beyond all of our circumstances. So we get to be, as Jeremiah 5 says, eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to this nation, to this city, to your friends, to your neighborhood now. You know, I decided to run Alpha online during the pandemic, and I have a bunch of university friends that live across the country and in the U.S. that would never come to like an Alpha at my church or an Alpha in my home, 
but they could come online. Well, first of all, everyone's home in the evenings, and we could, you know, work out the time zones. And I asked the Lord, who should I invite to my Alpha? And you know what? He gave me the names to invite. And I invited people that I can categorically tell you would never, ever, ever say yes. But when the Lord instructs you, he's at work. And he told me to invite my friend Sue. Sue is in mergers and acquisitions. She's lived all over the world. She lives in Calgary. She is a strong atheist. She uses very colorful language in our Alpha course. She had lots of opinions about the church, why she's rejected it all. But here's what happens when you do the Alpha Weekend and you invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak and you challenge the guests to kind of put out their hands even on Zoom. That she says, no, 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 no. And I said, why are you saying no during this prayer time on Zoom? She said, I don't want to hear him speak to me. And I said, is he speaking? Yes. And what is he saying? Jesus is good. We get invited into the story of other people's walking towards or away from Jesus. But our joy is being able to help them walk towards. So there is a great invitation for all of us to join the Holy Spirit daily in what he's doing around us. But we also need to change our approach, and particularly for you that are much younger than I am in this room, you know that's true. You know some of the methods, perhaps you've been to a camp or a conference or you've had conversations in school and you're like, wow, that is not the Jesus I'm interested in. And so you know better than some of us that are older about the approach needing to change. And when we enter the Spirit's work of loving people, we need to do five things differently. The first is we need to pray. Jesus prays. We model our sharing of our faith after the very person of Jesus. And he prays. So I want to ask you, what does it look like for you to pray for people that don't know Jesus in your neighborhood or your friends? Do you want to tell them what's right or do you want to pray for them? Prayer is the foundation work of all evangelism. The opportunity that we have with prayer right now, particularly with young people, and I'm finding this in my own life, I have 11 godchildren, I have uh, 10 nieces and nephews, and I don't have my own uh, children, and so God's given me lots of young people, my friends, kids, everything, and I have great conversations with them. Somehow you're cooler if you don't have kids. So for, for those of you who don't have kids, just it's, it sometimes works out in your favor. But here's what they want. They want someone who will lay hands and pray for them and encourage them even if they're not Christians. I can't tell you how many young people are in my life. One of my goddaughters is over in Toronto. She's heading into university this year, and she's really got high anxiety about it, like moving away from home and a new roommate that she doesn't know. And I just say to her, you know, would it help if I prayed for you? And so the first touch point for her is prayer. It's not a conversation about Jesus. It's prayer. And it's inviting the Holy Spirit to come and supernaturally create an opening for a conversation. So love prays because Jesus prays. So pray to join him to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Then secondly, Jesus teaches us to pay attention. He pays attention. He is paying attention. Are you noticing and listening to where God is leading you to approach some, someone? 
We hear Jesus say, I only do what I see my father doing, and I've prayed that so much for myself. Lord, let me be that kind of woman that only does what I see my father doing. And so it teaches you to pay attention differently when you walk down the street. I had an experience at Christmas where I was in a Starbucks over in southeast Vancouver, and I was sitting there waiting for my drink. My husband was getting it, and I see this kid. He was probably 11 years old. I can see his face today. And the Lord whispered to me, he isn't raised in a Christian home. He doesn't know me. He's going to lead a church one day. I pray for that guy all the time because the Lord let me in on what he was doing. I will never know his name. I probably won't ever recognize him because he's going to grow up and look completely different. But what I know is the Lord is whispering, notice, see, pay attention. Love pays attention, so open your eyes and be receptive to what the Holy Spirit's whispering to you about other people. That kid is going to have a lot of invested prayer because I had the moment to listen to the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, what do we learn from Jesus? He listens. It's a major shift for many of us who are older. We like to talk before we listen. But actually, if you want to know how to win the next generation to Jesus, you're going to win by listening. You're going to win by being curious. You're going to win by asking great questions. All of the research that we've seen on Generation Z, or Generation Z, and Generation Alpha, which I did not name, by the way, that are coming into high school in 2024, they want people to listen. I was camping at Manning Park a week and a half ago, and one of these young adults who's going into grade 10, or sorry, grade 12, was with us, and he's grown up in a Christian family, rejected it all, but he's starting to come back um, to asking questions about it, and he wanted to spend some time with me. And he actually used the words, my faith is fragile. And when I was speaking to him, I knew that in my hand, I was holding a glass heart that was made of very, very fragile glass. And I knew that how I asked questions and how I was curious and how I leaned in to listen and really understand allowed that glass to just get a little bit stronger and take a little bit deeper step in towards Jesus. You may not know that in the uh, Bible... Jesus asks 307 questions and only directly answers eight. If you think about your sharing of your faith, what role does questions have versus the answers you'd like to have? Most people say, I can't share my faith. I don't know all the answers. Good news, Jesus modeled. He had every answer. He didn't give every answer. Your job is to be curious and to listen. And then fourth, Jesus seeks. We know Jesus seeks Philip, he seeks the woman at the well, he seeks Zacchaeus, he sought me, he seeks you. We all know he was seeking us before we met him. So who is seeking around you that if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll notice? But what else is God asking you to do to be proactively seeking with him? And then fifth, he invites. He says, come and see. The first invitation that is recorded from John 1, is Jesus says, come and see. Philip says to a skeptical Nathaniel, come and see. In John 4, the woman at the well says, come and see a man. You know, Jesus invites. 
love always invites. And when you think of the programs you're running, when you think of running Alpha at this church, when you think of all the different things you can do where people can come and see, invite someone. My husband invited his former partner on the police force, 30 years old, has a baby, to come and see. And she said yes. She hasn't been to church since she was 18, and the only reason she'd been to church is because she went to a Christian school that her parents sent her to because they thought it was good for her, not because they were Christians. And she's come multiple weeks since Easter and is loving it. The question she's asked is, how will we get my husband here? He's never been to church, not for a wedding, not for a funeral, not for anything in his whole life, 30 years old. That's Vancouverites. But he's asking spiritual questions. So think about who you can invite because Jesus is always inviting them. So I hope you've seen this morning that our role is not to push the message out. It's to join him in what he's already doing. It means slowing down in your life to listen while recognizing the urgency of the pain and suffering around us. And being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing daily, moment-by-moment invitation from the Lord. And let me tell you, as I finish, just a brief update on what's happening across our nation. I have the privilege of traveling north to south and east to west, and I want to tell you, the harvest is plentiful and it's noticeable. This is not a time for the church to get insular. It's the time for the church to go out and love and seek and invite and encourage and to pray. Many people are telling us because of our Alpha connection that their Alphas are larger than they've ever experienced and they're not doing anything differently. Coquitlam Alliance uh, lead pastor called me and said, Shayla, we don't know what's going on here. We always run Alpha. This is how we do it. We get about 35 guests. We run it this way every time. And this time we had to close it down at 95 and we didn't do anything differently. This is happening at churches all across the country. Why? Not because the pastor is doing a good job of preaching. It's because the people of God are praying, inviting, and seeking, and listening, and people are coming. But the big question I have is, can the church meet the need? The issue I find in our nation is there is a spiritual hunger, and it's increasing, particularly among young people. And the church has suffered through through COVID and has turned internal. And the question I want to ask you, First Baptist, is you have such a bright future ahead of you with a new building that can whip open the doors and invite the world is will you be the church that can look outside of the four walls and notice that the harvest is plentiful in our city? The spiritual hunger is only going up. People want to hear good news. And so I tell church people all over the country, we don't have just good news. We have great news. We have hope-filled news. We have peace-filled news. We have a God that can build beauty out of their ashes. We have a God who can give them an identity when they don't know what their identity is. We have a God that will come and run to them and doesn't expect them to run to him. So every morning this week, would you perhaps, whether it's in bed or just as your feet touch the floor, Would you pray, come Holy Spirit, let me join you in what you're doing around me. Let me join you. And be people of hope.
We are called to believe that the reality of God is that he is at work with the people you love even while you sit here this morning. And Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I'd like to finish just by praying for you that you would join the Holy Spirit in what he's doing. And if you have lost hope this morning that your loved one, your neighbor, your friend would ever come to know Jesus, I want you to be encouraged today that while you're here, he's wooing them. That is what he loves to do. If you have grandkids and you're thinking, this culture is just wrecking them, Jesus sees it more than you do. He loves them more than you do. He's for them more than you are. Have no fear. We have great news. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that we have great news for our nation. We have great news for our city. We have great news for our neighbors, and we have great news for our family. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and remind us that you are the initiator, that you are in every conversation we have with someone that does not yet know you. Father, make us men and women who listen and love, who seek, who invite, who pray. And so today, Father, I pray for every man and woman here that in the next year, they would see someone come to know Jesus, that this wouldn't be a pipe dream. They may have lived their whole lives never having seen it before, but Lord, let this be their year, that they would see someone they've personally invited come to know you. And so, Lord, may you, the God of all hope, fill each one with joy and peace as they trust in you. And would you overflow with hope in them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.